Welcome. I'm Stacy Gael, the founder of Visible Women. We are really, really honored for you to be here with us tonight. Catalina will be uh, leading us in a minute. <laughs> she has, <laughs> um, when I mentioned to Catalina about the topic that we would be discussing, she had a what I thought was a wonderful suggestion that we would begin with a little bit of breath work to just ground this conversation. Hold on, I want a proper introduction. Okay. Catalina, Visible Women member and founder of Catalina Cosmeticos de Origen. There we go. Translates to Cosmetics of Origin. She will be leading us in a breath work uh, experience. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here. I'm super grateful and super happy that I get to do this. I think that, um, yeah, when I spoke to Stacy about this, I was like, somehow I wanted to like really, really be part of this event. However, I didn't know how to just because my brand is not di directly related to the topic. However, the way Catalina wants to introduce be introduced to any person who like gets involved with it's through an experience and i think that what we're discussing here tonight it's a very vulnerable and very important topic that i don't think we usually get together on like a summer night in new york to talk about domestic violence especially like in like a, such a beautiful venue like this so i think that my favorite conversations are when I have the permission to be vulnerable because I think that's like when connection happens and we are all here for this. We want to connect no matter like how much AI we have, no matter like how COVID we have, we'll still want to connect. Um, I do think that in order to connect, you have to really listen. And there's a big difference between hearing and listening. I think that when you listen, your heart is open, your mind, it's clear. And that's like the best time to receive information. So that's why I had the idea of like doing this breath work so we can receive this beautiful evening and this beautiful conversation um, with openness, with vulnerability, with trustworthiness and with respect. So what we're gonna do is, this is gonna be 60 seconds. Um, I'm gonna do a practice and then we'll do the practice and then I'm gonna set the timer for 60 seconds and then that's it. So, um, all right, let's, um, we can do it together one time. And then after that, we'll go, I'll set the timer. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna close our eyes and we're gonna inhale for four. We're going to hold our breath for four and then exhale for four. Okay, um, close your eyes. Don't worry about the performance. Don't judge yourself too much. We're in a safe space. And yeah, all right, let's practice one time. Please close your eyes. And let's inhale for four. Hold for four. And release for four. So that's it. I'm just going to set the timer and we're going to do it together.
Please close your eyes. And let's go. Inhale for four. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> if you want to approach me at the end of the of the talk, I'll tell you about my product. And thank you so much. I hope that, you know, you can um now like receive this information with like a on in like, from like a safer space. And yeah, just remember to breathe to reset, to connect, and to transcend. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I also just want to point out that Catalina so generously um, has a gift for everyone here. So definitely visit when we're hanging out a little bit after the talking circle. She has a beautiful um, rose water um, gift. So thank you. Those words were so beautiful and so needed. And want to just remind everyone as we're beginning that there's no experts here. So this is a conversation amongst friends. This is no, there aren't, we're not giving professional <laughs> advice. So I just think it's really important that I hope that encourages us all to feel comfortable to share and know that that's the goal is, is the sharing. I wanted to start the conversation. I'm reading a book right now called Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. And one night ago, and I came across this passage, and it said, um, we hardly ever ask each other how we've been hurt. Yet we all have the need to let it out to someone. So um, I was like, whoa, I'm definitely going to share that. And... Um, we want to create a safe space, and I think it's really important to sometimes talk about things that are generally not talked about. I'm also going to give a little bit of an introduction right now to um, some of our featured guests, but I also am going to encourage all of you, when we do open up to the talking circle to please introduce yourself. And even now, I'm just going to give a very brief in introduction, but I hope we'll have a chance that we can all speak for ourselves. And that's kind of the concept of agency. Invisible women is having self-agency to represent yourself in the way that you feel comfortable. Jinjara, who's next to me, is an American Canadian actor, writer, and director. Jinjara's distinct voice, which you'll hear, has earned her a career voicing animated characters in cartoons, 
and she's currently starring in an upcoming PBS show based on the New York Times bestselling children's book. Jinjera is the creator, writer, and director of The Ornament, which we will definitely be speaking a little bit about, which is based on her own childhood experience of being raised in an abusive home. And then next to Jinjera is Sinclair Warren. Sinclair is a model, literary artist, full-spectrum doula, and advocate for sexual reproductive justice. Currently pursuing a master's degree in social work at Fordham University, she specializes in global policy and partnership with the United Nations. And I'm also proud to share that she is an ambassador for Visible Women. <laughs> Sydney Scotia is an actor and filmmaker who is recognized for her roles in both television and film. Her passion for storytelling extends beyond acting, which led her to pursue documentary filmmaking. Sydney is the director of the newly released This Hits Home, her first feature-length film. My conversation with Sydney is what actually sparked this gathering this evening. So I'm so grateful, Sydney, that our chat here in Soho House actually led to this gathering. This Hits Home reveals the invisible and silent epidemic of permanent traumatic brain injury in women from domestic violence. I'm especially grateful to Sydney because she is letting us see an inside look into her film but was created exclusively for this talking circle this evening. So this is not her trailer. This has been cut and edited just for us. So we're going to turn our attention. I apologize, but we're going to have to turn a little and then watch this to help us guide us into our conversation. People often think of it as something that happens to other people or it happens over there. Most people know at least one person, even if they don't know it. If we can try to have basically the society as a whole start talking about this more, recognizing that there's a lot of women who are underserved, underappreciated, misunderstood. If we're going to say that families are supposed to be one of the strongest assets of successful communities, the family itself cannot be a shield for criminal conduct. If, if a woman shows up in the ED, they're more likely to just deal with, you know, the, the most, the visible injury versus what I call is like the invisible injury. And women need to be given the benefit of the doubt. We need to have better support talking about the culture of violence that we have and how do we change that. I want to be able to be some kind of role model or positive role model for somebody else who may be struggling with the same thing and not to be scared to share it. My reason is to motivate other women to take their lives back and however it is that they need to take their lives back because there is life and there is recovery after domestic violence and a sexual assault. You don't have to be numb and you, can't, you can be vulnerable and yet be strong all at the same time. And so I want this to be about beginning about opening a, a conversation i just need for this for this moment i just need this should i be boarded up in this house so it almost feels to me that this was serendipity you know we were talking about having the conversation, then we, Sydney graciously offered to um, 
allow you to see an insight into how very important just what we're doing is. And I think um, I want to open it a little bit to understanding what motivated you to want to speak openly about domestic violence. Hi, everybody. I'm Jinjera. Um, um, I am the writer and the director and creator of a film called The Ornament. And that film is about, um, yeah, growing up in an abusive home with an abusive parent and having a, a life that looked one way to the outside eye and um, kind of peeling back the layers of what was really happening in that household. Um, what inspired me to start speaking out on the topic of domestic violence and channeling it into a creative endeavor, I'd say is just that I started to realize that if I did not speak up, I was doing myself a disservice because I was still having a loyalty to somebody who was abusing me. And I was still, um, I was still forming an alliance with them and doing what I had been taught to do from a very young age, which is just smile and pretend that things are okay. And if I'm doing that, then I knew for sure, especially because there were others in my household who were abused. And, and later on, I developed relationships that followed the same model because I thought it was normal. Um, but I started to see that if it's happening to me, it's happening to others. And <laughs> our words are so powerful. And I think that when we have the courage to own our voice and take it back from somebody who, who would have your voice silenced, I think we inspire others to do the same. So that was the catalyst for me. Thank you, Tanjara. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sinclair. And as so wonderfully Stacy introduced me, um, I really focus on writing. Again, I believe words are so powerful and they manifest into our actions. And I am currently writing a novel about my experience with uh, being in a sexual abusive relationship as a teenager. Um, I never had sex ed growing up. I feel like many of us don't. I didn't know what consent looked like. I didn't know what sex was. And it wasn't until I was actually talking to my friends in college where I knew, where I found out that something was wrong in my first relationship. I was like, oh, your boyfriend doesn't touch you when you're sleeping when you don't know. Like I, like, I thought that was like so normal. I didn't realize that I had to do something. And I was like, oh, when you're crying, that means someone has to stop. And I always, I didn't really realize that my body was my own, as tr funny as that sounds. I guess not funny, but as tricky as that sounds. And I think... There's so many dimensions that dimensions to that, especially as a black and Asian woman. Uh, woman, I have never really. There's so many historical reasons why we don't feel like our bodies are our own, and to be able to claim that and feeling hypersexualized, and why I really wanted to get into this work through writing is because I didn't want it to feel as sad and as hard as it was for me. I didn't want it to be this perpetual trauma that I had to relive over and over again. I didn't want this to be kind of a type of trauma porn. I wanted it to be kind of like how I talked to my girlfriends in college. Like I wanted to have this expose of what I went through so someone could read it as a coming of age knowledge and know that that's not okay. And that you can say stop at any time and that's fine. And that's great. And you can have sex or you could not have sex and you can talk about it and it's so normal and it's wonderful and you don't have to be scared to know what you want or really to not know what you want. And I think that's this such great part of stories that we can have this insight to someone's lives and we can really connect with others without ever really knowing them because our stories can really connect in so many different ways. I 
was giving a donation to a domestic violence shelter. And when I witnessed the amount of women hiding in silence and talking about what happened behind closed doors, and when I found the need for a traumatic brain injury clinic at this shelter, I just thought, why has nobody been talking about this? We talk about concussions and traumatic brain injuries in the news when it comes to contact sport athletes. Those people are signing up for it. They know the risks involved, but so many women don't know the risks involved. And then I delve deeper into the topic. And when I found out that one in four women and one in seven men will experience severe physical violence in their lifetime, I couldn't believe it. It just didn't make sense that nobody was talking about it. And I didn't see any media out there talking about traumatic brain injury as it related to domestic violence. So after talking with a lot of women and had them so bravely sharing their stories with me, I felt like I had a responsibility now to put this information out there. And I've had people very close to me affected by domestic violence and personally been impacted. So I felt like there, I had to do something. And, and it's funny because so many of these women felt like after sharing, so many things got better. And a lot of them said that to me. After sharing their stories, they felt like they were liberated somehow. And that was a few women. And that just felt so good that us creating an open space, kind of like we're doing here tonight, created a place for openness, sharing, and for things to get better. So that's why I felt like I had to do this. And after talking to policymakers and people in the medical field that were experts in CTE that didn't even make the connection themselves that women would be suffering from concussions and have an invisible injury, I just thought, okay, this is an invisible epidemic and we have to start a conversation around it. Well, clearly visibility is of interest to me and I think to many of us here that are part of Visible Women. And um, sometimes that visibility is wonderful and comfortable and I think that's often the aspect of it that is comfortable to talk about. So when we talk about, you know, likes and follows or social media and um, fame or that we think, oh, it's wonderful. Um, and then sometimes it's not so wonderful because um, there are things that we're struggling with that we're hiding. I would love to know a little bit more about your personal journey and how that brought you to communicate through media. Thank you, Stacey. Um, <clears throat> so for my personal journey, um, my mother was very abusive. So, um, I'm a survivor of a female abuser. And, um, when I speak about abuse by a female, I don't mean like my mom yelled at me. I mean, she was really abusive, um, to myself and my siblings in every sense of the word abuse. And, um, I, as a child had to smile along and I had to say, I love you, mommy. My mommy's the best. Like I, I was like protecting her. I was the best accessory she could have ever had because I was living in such fear of her at all times. And as long as I was performing, I was doing things by the book and I was doing it. Okay. And, um, nobody knew what I was living through. My mom was actually a motivational speaker. So, <laughs> you know, she was out there on stages, empowering women and discussing 
all of these topics. And meanwhile, behind closed doors, she was doing the exact opposite. Um, so for me, something that's really important is that uh, abuse is not a gender issue. To me, abuse is a people issue. And um, we can't we can't silence half the people and listen to half of the others because um, women are abused by women. Um, women abuse men. Men abuse men. You know, men abuse women. It, it happens in every sphere of of gender, um, uh, you know, of the human experience. So that's just something that's really important to me. And, um, you know, as I got older, I found myself in, in really abusive male relationships. And um, it was something that to me came extremely naturally. And I went into that same role of protecting and, um, you know, believing that this was okay, this was normal. And um, that experience and, and me growing up and me starting to become my own person and my own woman and, and learning about the type of relationships I wanted and the type of people I wanted in my life and how I wanted to approach the world, I, I started to look back on all of this and I realized I'm not going to feel understood in this world unless I take that first step to explain myself and dare to be understood. Um, so that's that's kind of where where I am. That's what what brought me on my journey of of learning to use my voice, use my writing, use any kind of capacity of my own creative expression to tell a story that might not be the normal narrative that that we discuss, but is still a story that is important that I am I am very certain others can relate to. Um, so I was a big Disney girl. I loved watching Disney movies. Um, that's ranges from like fairy tales to Disney, like we're watching High School Musical. And so basically every movie that I loved was about love and how the guy finds the girl and she's picked and she takes off her glasses and her ponytail and she's like loved. And that was like the best thing in the world to me. And I always just wanted to feel chosen and picked. And I think that was really compounded growing up in a predominantly white high school, uh, out through like elementary, middle school and high school was predominantly white. And I was also mixed. So I never really felt like I belonged on this side or that side. It was kind of just like, this is where Sinclair is and she's on the outside. And so I think when you feel so unloved and unattractive by Eurocentric standards, that when someone, especially an older boy, um, gives you attention, it just feels like love. Because I think when you feel really cold and then there's just a little bit of sunlight coming in, it feels like the best thing in the world. So for someone to give you that attention just feels so good. And so you'll do anything to have that attention and you want to keep it up. And when they ask you to do this and you're like, okay, well, that's fine. Cause I've, I've seen that in the movies. Like I know this, how this goes. And then it starts to go a bit further. And I was like, well, I've never, I've never seen this part before, but um, I'm just going to try to get to the end. And I was trying to find that happy ending every day. And it was just getting worse and worse. And I, and I think with the lack of education, not knowing what sex was, and I had an idea of what abuse was when I see it on TV, going back to the media, where, well, if he doesn't hit me, so, like, that's fine. Like, he can say this to me, he can make me do this in bed, and that's okay, because he hasn't hit me yet, because I know that's bad. And, like, it's very, like, A plus B equals C, and that's not happening to me, and that happens to other people. 
and I'm okay. And so I had that experience for so long. And then when I finally got out of it, because he cheated on me and I knew that was bad. So I was like, okay, I can break up now. Like, that's fine. Like that's, that's what we do. And I felt so dirty after, and I was wondering why I felt so bad. And again, bring back to my college story. We were all talking about how we lost our virginities and mine sounded a little different than the rest of my friends. And my Someone was like, that was not okay, Sinclair. Like you were raped. And I don't, I I even right now I felt uncomfortable saying that because again, I had this such idea of like, well, if it was, it wasn't a stranger and I didn't like scream or any, I didn't, I didn't have like all the things I thought I needed to have for it to qualify as that. And I didn't feel like, I felt like I was taking away someone else's story or trauma by, by associating myself with that word. Um, And still now I feel a bit uncomfortable with it, but we're working on it. Um, and that's why I really wanted to go into policy work. Stacey mentioned that that's what I'm doing in my master's degree, because I feel like all policies are stories. And so it's how we talk about things or, and the words that we use is how we address them and the actions that we have behind them. And so we have people specifically, I want to work in policy. I want to work with people, women who are women and people of different gender identities and areas of conflict, because when there's area of conflict, the sexual violence goes by by so much. And I don't want to take away from people domestically that that doesn't happen here. And I know that happens here, but I, I felt quite a calling to work with people, especially in, in the Congo, the Democrat play with the Congo. And when there's people who are creating these laws and policies and they have no idea what it really feels like from a personal level, they can't create policies that will help us. And when we have people writing stories or movies, um, very unlike wonderful Sydney who don't have these experiences. It's very hard to have a general, uh, genuine, holistic idea of it. And that's why I wanted to do what I want to do in media. So I grew up uh, from age 15 to 19 working on children's shows. And I was an actress and still do act. But I was in Netflix children's shows. And so I was on set every day doing school and was always really drawn to the people behind the camera and asking a lot of questions. And I loved my position, but I always wanted a little bit more control in whatever story was being told. And those stories were not nearly as serious, but I always wanted to be the one deciding what story was told. And so when I started talking openly about domestic violence and started having these conversations uh, with survivors and CTE experts and concussion experts. I knew what I wanted to do. I finally said, okay, I don't know how to help. I don't really have a background in anything. I was 19 when I started the film. I don't have the qualifications to do anything in policy. So all I know how to do is point a camera at things. And so I went to everybody who would talk to me and I pointed the camera and learned so much along the way. We spent four years filming it and it took an extra two to distribute because it was such a heavy topic. And, and I got it like nobody during the pandemic wanted to talk about this. And so it took two extra years just to get it out there. But Eventually, we found the person that said, okay, this is important. We're going to put it out. And I was so lucky that it was this company called Gravitas. But that's all I knew how to do. And my world was changed talking to survivors 
almost every week for six years. So I couldn't go into a restaurant or a clothing shop without being like, oh, statistically speaking, one in three of these women will have had an abusive partner. So my world was changed. So I thought if I can do something to at least shift that perspective for five people, if five people watch this documentary and they think that way, then maybe, maybe I can affect some sort of change. So really for me, it was like, what can I do? This is it. I'm going to pour everything into this. I have enough passion to where I will fight tooth and nail to get this out there. Even if it takes every last connection, even if I burn every bridge trying to get this out there and annoy everybody in the world, that's the one thing I knew that I could do. So media was it. That was the only thing I knew how to do to get domestic violence talked about on hopefully a global scale. So we were going to talk a little bit about healing, but I'm thinking, um, I'm going off the cuff now. I'm going <laughs> to, that it might be nice to open up the talking circle a little bit and then maybe come back after we do some sharing and talk about healing. Cause I don't feel, it just feels right right now. Um, I don't think I'm going to get a lot of hands on this, but how many um, of you have seen the show on Broadway, Jodie Comer's show, um, Prima Facie? I don't know if anybody, no one, okay. <laughs> well, Jodie Comer uh, was in um, Killing Eve, Villanelle. I don't know if that rings a bell. Like I love relating, we're talking a lot about media, but I think today and having a show on Broadway about um, sexual assault I saw it recently and I recommend it, but I really left thinking immediately how much I was looking forward to tonight. Because even when you, whether you watch a movie, you um, read a book, you see a show that really moves you. I don't know. I, I'm assuming because we're all here together, then you want to talk, right? You really want to process something with others and relate to that experience. So, um, I, again, I know this is uh, not such an easy jumping in, but I w do hope that you'll jump in with us into the conversation and know, again, please take the time if, if you're comfortable to introduce yourself. And again, there's no, um, this is not a Q&A again. This is, there's no Q&A. We're just going to talk. Um, I don't know if Christina's back there, if we have the fifth mic that we could see if, and if any, we could try, Oh, we have it over here. Okay. So Catalina has the mic. And if any, again, there's a lot more that we have to share amongst us and I could kind of kick it even off, you know, myself saying that, and, and I hope that you're drumming up the courage to, to, you know, put up your hand and let us know that you would like to share but so many things that I just heard made me want to talk more about them. Um, and I'll just give a little background that like when, with, when Jinjara first mentioned that her film was an, about an abuser and that it was her mother and I'm the founder of visible women. So I'm, I'm saying, Whoa, you know, how's, how's that going to go over? Right. How are we going to process that feeling, like you said, we are program mothers are 
on a pedestal, you know? And I think again, whether it's a boyfriend or a mother or in, in all circumstances, it tends to be so hard to admit that, you know, even, and, and honestly, that feeling, like you said, of wanting to conceal it. So I think I was immediately like, well, maybe we need to conceal this from our chat. You know, um, these are sort of feelings that, that I, you know, and, and I think talking about it between men and women, I'm so glad that tonight men and women are in the room and Karen shared with me how much she thought is amazing that just because we are visible women, we are open to talking with all because that's, we all need to talk about it. It's affecting us all. And, um, I don't know, again, I'm gently offering anyone that would want it. Okay. Wonderful. Hi, Ancita. I come from Brazil. I was born and raised in Brazil. Um, I too come from a, uh, an abusive, uh, well, my, my mom, was my abuser. Uh, she was very, I don't know what she was going through. I don't know what she had going on in her life, but she took it all out on me. So it was very difficult because it, in, at home, I grew up in a duality, basically, because my dad showed me so much love, so, so much kindness, compassion. He would talk to me and help me with everything. And my mom, was so aggressive, so abusive, like verbally, physically, mentally, everything that you can imagine. I would go through with my mom and it was so, so strange. I'm getting so much love from, from the, from the male figure and the female figure is the one who's, um, so aggressive, so abusive, what's going on here. So it was very hard to process. Um, I chose, to, I'm, a, I'm a Star Wars fan, so I chose the light side of the force that was represented by my dad. And I'm like, this is what I, this is what I like. This is what I'm going to stick with. Um, but I would always try to get her to show me love. To, to, to I don't know, like, like why are you hitting me? Um, uh, you know, like, like, like a little dog. I don't know, like you, you treat them bad. You oh, go away, whatever. They come back all, ah. I want your love still like, Oh, you know, so that was me throughout my whole life. And, and, um, and it's hard. It's hard because in Brazil, um, we're very touchy feely. We're very warm, especially where I come from, my state, we're extra, extra touchy feely. And I would go to my friend's house and their moms would dance with me and, and we would lay on their laps and, and, you know, they would play with our hair and whatever. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't have this at home. I wouldn't feel luck, like, I, I, I would never feel like, oh, I envy this. I would just like be so happy for my friends that they had that. But I, so I would go home and try to get that again, all back and forth, back and forth. Like, and my mom would just, you know, like she would do, I don't know, anything. Like we were in the car driving and we, I would say something that just didn't sit well with her and she would just just throw her arm at me like, and it would land anywhere and everywhere. And she would, you know, like grab my ears and it was bad. Break things on my body, hit me a lot. And then my brother, older brother, started copying her behavior and she did not correct him. And so now I have two abusers at home. My older brother 
and my mom and my and 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 she just let it go on. She wouldn't she didn't try to hey this is your little sister uh protect her. No. So I so it was very hard for me growing up that way. I went on and had so many dysfunctional relationships with men. I, you know, had a, a, abusers. Um they I was hit um, called names, yelled at, made to feel like I was worthless or, you know, and, 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 and it's horrible because I guess in a way you're sick too, because you're accepting that, you know, like, I'm like, ah, you know, I, I, I always left. That's a good, the good thing about me. I guess I have my dad's side. Like I, I, I never stayed in a relationship like that, but I did stay too long in a relationship like that. And it was only until recently that I actually realized what I went through my whole life. And I guess in it, you know, it, I, it was still repeating in relationships. And now it, it just, it's all clear to me, uh, you know, due to a recent um, experience I had also, but um but yeah, I guess it happens to a lot of us, unfortunately. Yes. What made me realize? So, um, so in 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 a relationship that I had, um, I I just saw myself mirrored, like like I I saw how I was behaving. And um, it, it made me realize, like, I was like, oh, I am that girl trying to go to mommy and mom, love me, mom, you know, please. Oh, my gosh. What, is there anything that I can do? You know, um, so I, I, I was doing that with the guy and I was like, you know, he was just calling me names and just yelling at me and whatever. And I'm like, still there like, oh, but I'm here. I'm showing you so much love. And so I was like, no, I don't want to be that girl anymore. And my mom is gone. She, she, she pa uh, passed away t 2016. And I'm like, why am I still here fighting with her? And so I chose to completely, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm shedding this skin. I'm going to do everything that I can to heal. And I am stepping up and I'm becoming the woman who does not accept any less than what I deserve. And I, and I am someone with, I have a lot of self-respect, self-love. It just wasn't at the level that I wanted it to be. But with this last experience, I got there. And I, and I just want to keep increasing because, you know, I'm not going to take any less anymore. I had it. You know, I, I've had it. <laughs> and I <laughs> promise you, Thank if you, you find her on, so if you find Cisa <laughs> on Instagram, she's spreading like love and joy and laughter and light and dance. So I, I, I like almost feel like I need to circulate her, yeah. her profile right now because that's how, how much light she's bringing. Hi, my name is Stephanie. I'm from Colombia. I am a human rights lawyer, and right now I'm pursuing a master's degree in social media and digital marketing, and it makes sense after I will say this. So my mom was a victim. My mom was abused mentally and physically for a guy for many, many years. My mom passed away because of that, basically. And I remember him asking her to be pregnant. 
even knowing she couldn't be pregnant. And he was asking her and asking her and asking her. 